Welcome again to Our Street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder here, as always. And uh, another interesting subject and, a, and an interesting guest, I think first time on our show today, and that's Senator Justin Wayne. Welcome to the show, Senator. Thank you for having me. So we wanted to uh, talk to you about a concept that uh, uh, that you, I, I guess this is your idea, micro-TIF, uh, and TIF is an acronym for Tax Increment Financing, for our listeners who don't aren't familiar with that. Is that correct? Correct. Well, it started with uh, Senator Groney. We've been kicking around an idea for numerous years to figure out how to make TIF uh, workable for small businesses uh, who don't have necessarily have attorneys and all those good things to go through the, the process of, of applying for TIF at their local municipalities. Well, explain to us, uh, is this a, um, a piece of legislation that you and Senator Groney have worked on together? Is it already a proposed uh, it is bill or is this, is this a concept that you're working on now? So the bill actually, the bill actually was passed uh, this year. I keep saying last year, but with the pandemic, we got extended over into August. Um, Senator Groney and I worked on it for actually, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, we probably wouldn't have got it passed this year, uh, just because it was it was so complicated um, to try to narrow down how to make it workable. And then what we ended up doing is making it workable only for those cities outside of Omaha. Nebraska, I mean, Omaha, Nebraska or Lincoln or some of the big cities, just because we're still not sure if the cities could handle um, the workability of the micro TIF. Okay, so it's already uh, it's already a piece of legislation that's passed and it's for areas not in Lincoln or Omaha. Can you just explain how it works and what's the concept? So the concept behind it was typically you have large TIF projects uh, like Omaha, actually around the, around the state, where you have to get attorneys involved, you have to get banks involved, you have to get real estate and appraiser involved to figure out how how the uh, adjustment should be. And so how TIF works for the listeners is you have a baseline, let's say, of a hundred dollars in property tax you you always have to pay. That baseline never goes away. You continue to pay it. But if you make an improvement that says maybe it'll increase your property tax to $200, there's a $100 gain there from your investment in your property. Well, what TIF does is it takes that $100 gain and over 15 years puts that up front for the developer, for the homeowner, or for the builder to make that investment and they pay that loan back on that property tax of $100, additional $100 back to the bank. So it's like a loan, but it's 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 more complex as it, it deals with future uh, investments as far as how much your property value goes up. And so you get a lot of people involved. And so what we did with MicroTIF is we said, we're gonna create a one or two page form. We're gonna eliminate a lot of the attorney work and the complexity and the formulas. And we're gonna allow the adjuster and the banks and the local municipality to agree on what that property value increase may look like. And there's no promise that it'll look like that. And we'll provide that TIF loan up front. And so it made it easier for really homeowners who are looking to do an investment and, and companies or businesses who are in the core of some of these small cities and towns who it isn't a million dollar investment, but it could be a $10,000 investment. 
And so we try to make it easier for those small businesses to apply and, and be able to use that, that TIF loan. So, Lynn, just as I was reading the bill, there was three pieces that a micro TIF could be used for. One would be a, a, a home improvement, where the home improvement, there's, there's a few uh, you know, you know, pieces that you have to qualify under. Home has to be at least 60 years old in a blight area, that the end improvement can't be more than $250,000. There's also a piece for historic buildings and then also a piece for commercial buildings. Would that be correct, Senator Wayne? Correct. And so we were trying to focus on those uh, left behind areas or blighted areas or areas where you might have a house and and you want to put $60,000 into it, but you don't have that cash up front. Uh, So you want to use TIF because you know that increased value uh, of your investment will be able to pay it back. And we wanted to make it for the small businesses to be able to actually use this program. All right. So... I know that we had, <clears throat> this is kind of a, a brand new idea, and we talked only at a high level during previous interviews, you know, just as we have talked about uh, this topic, but we're getting more into it today. What I'm kind of curious about is, what is the big hope that you hope that comes out of this? Do you hope that these smaller counties and communities really engage it and that they really go for it? And have you heard any feedback from them? Has anyone taken the bid up and actually done a project like this yet? They haven't, uh, to my knowledge, nobody's done it yet. And, and my philosophy is really simple. The issue in, in, in issues in North Omaha, which is where I represent, and South Omaha, pretty much East Omaha, are, are no, no different than many of these small towns. We're looking for those jobs that are five to 10 people because they, they make a huge impact on the community. And we recognize that you know Amazon isn't going to build a uh, $100 million facility in North Omaha. One, there's just not enough land space, but but two, um, it's just not feasible with the parcels of land. That that mimics a lot what happens in North Platte. That mimics a lot what happens in Ogallala, uh, where these older neighborhoods uh, and these small towns just need a small investment of $250,000 or less to turn that main street around. So that, that was the purpose behind it. I think we... Like I said, it took us six months, six months with different attorneys <laughs> and, and urban affairs legal counsel to figure out how to make it simpler. Uh, and so we think we've been able to do that and we hope people will take advantage of it soon. So and again, it just got passed and then it didn't have an emergency clause on it. Sure. So because of the pandemic, that would make the bill effective around uh, October or November. So it just it just became truly became law. Sure. So as I was reading some of this uh, legislation, as, as I've talked with others in the local Lincoln field about about this idea about how it works, of course, Lincoln and Omaha weren't part of it, and for whatever reason that might be. Um, so as you had said, the the old kind of TIF, you know, you go through blight, redevelopment plans, projects, planning commission, city council, blah, 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 blah. And you have a cost ranging for, for ranging in cost from, from from say just on city time alone, ranging from say like forty thousand for small projects all the way up to one hundred eighty thousand dollars just in city ca- city staff cost. Um, but what Microchip does, and what I really like, is that just as you said, it, it takes that redevelopment plan and project, breaks it down. There's a fifty five dollar application fee. Uh, it then you know is approved within thirty days. That person then has that promissory note that they can then take to the bank finish out their financing 
and then it goes to the county assessor. My question is this, is that, so on the front side, the person says, this is what my improvement is, and just like with any other building permit, and that's what the DED paperwork uh, states, and we'll tell our listeners how they can go find this document so they can get involved if they want to. But on the front side, we learn how much investment it might be the city or the CRA then makes that promissory note, but there's nothing saying that the assessor is going to assess it at that value. Correct, and that and that's part of the uh, if you want to call it gamble or risk. Uh, any TIF project is is that uh, after you make that investment and you're banking on that in that hundred dollar versus two hundred dollar scenario that I, I discussed, we're banking on the fact that two hundred dollar evaluation uh, is going to pay for that micro TIF loan or TIF loan in general. It may only come back at one hundred and fifty dollars instead of an actual hundred dollar increase. You might only get fifty dollars. Well, then you still have to uh, carry or you still have to pay off that loan. So that that's where the losses could come in. And so we try to explain that um, as best as we can. And we hope the local municipalities explain that to these individual homeowners or, or small businesses that it's, it's still a, a risk uh, in, in the TIF loan. And so I guess when I had read that bill, I, I, that wasn't as clear to me. And so that's why I wanted to ask you. So if the if the 10-year promissory note doesn't, let's say you had a promissory note for $1,000, but but through the natural division of taxes, you only bring in 600. The person who applies for the loan is still on the hook for that remaining 400 and not the CRA, correct? Right. All right. Correct. Great. Um, and when you say CRA, Kurt, uh, Community mean? Redevelopment Authority, excuse me. So right. what, the, what the Community Redevelopment Authority, it used to be um, the Substandard and Blighter Committee a long time ago, but what you'll find, uh, people have a negative reaction to the word blighted and substandard. And so we as the legislature over the years have found new ways to call these redevelopment areas because people don't like their neighborhoods being called substandard and blighted. Um, even though that's in our constitution and that's how it reads, we, we've been trying to say um, redevelopment area equals substandard just because people don't like that name. They feel like it could, uh, when they go to sell their home, it could damage their market value, even though there's no real evidence of that. It's just a perception. Sure, sure. So, and how is that designation uh, determined? Is this predetermined or do people have to apply for it? <laughs> I'm kind of smiling because uh, I would like it to be predetermined. And that's where over the next couple of years, I'm going to push for what, what we have in Omaha is a developer will come in and say, we want this area designated as blighted uh, so we can get the, the TIF funding. Um, I think if we're going to recruit and attract companies and businesses, we should already have those um, things done because it could take anywhere, like for city of Omaha, it could take anywhere for one month to three months to get that designation, if not longer. And so uh, let's use North Platte for example, what they would do is they were going to, they're going to look at the, the data and say, these are the areas that are substandard and blighted. And now we have the extremely blighted that was just passed in the constitutional amendment this year. Um, but what it does is they'll have a hearing, then they'll go out and have a community hearing, and then they got to come back and pass it at their local uh, ordinance level uh, of declaring that area substandard and, and blighted. So it's a process that which local governments go through to designate those areas. 
you know, you just took one of my questions away from me, but I'm glad that you answered it. I was wondering how, how this bill interacted with, let's say how Omaha does it, just as you said, versus how other communities across the state do it. Because if you could do a one-stop shop or um, do a blight, a redevelopment plan, and a project all in one fell swoop, man, that'd be pretty nifty and also wildly well, dangerous. The, <laughs> well, that's the goal because... Again, if I'm, if I'm a developer and I'm picking between Omaha, North Platte, or somewhere in Colorado, do I really want to put three to six months uh, delay potentially uh, going through a TIF process? And the reason I say that is because neighbors could object, right? The neighborhood could say, um, we object to this TIF designation, and that could draw that process out. So we have to, I think we have to be more proactive. The reason why Lincoln, Omaha, and some of the larger um cities of the first class were not included in this bill was because this is designated for those small homes, those uh, blighted areas that don't have a whole lot of reinvestment where a million dollar investment just from a, from a land standpoint, geographical standpoint, just maybe doesn't work. Well, that could be a million homes in Nebraska or in Omaha applying for this at once. And so the city of Omaha and Lincoln and some of these other bigger uh, towns asked to opt out of this type of micro TIF and let let some of the smaller communities work through this new program so they can figure out how to implement it later on in, in like Omaha. Well, I know we're getting close to our halfway point. How about we take an early break? Does that sound okay? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. So stay tuned and we'll be back in just a minute or two. Welcome back to Our Street. Kurt Elder and Lynn Fisher having an interesting conversation with Senator Justin Wayne. And uh, he was instrumental in, in passing a, uh, a bill here in this last session called, uh, well, I don't know what it's called, but it, it, it involves micro-TIF, which is a concept that we discussed in the first half of the show. And uh, it sounds really interesting for those uh, small communities that need some help in their in their areas that are uh, substandard and blighted or um, could otherwise need some help with folks that uh, want to invest in their properties and increase the valuation of their property. So, Kurt, you have some additional questions? For oh, the yeah, J- just a couple more. So, you know, perhaps it's not fair, but I, I think it's I think it's still germane enough. So when I look at legislation, and even though it's not allowed in Lincoln, I think that that's just a frame that I have to work within because I think it also applies to some of our no more rural communities. So the within the legislation, there is a like a fifty-five dollar maximum application fee. What are your thoughts about recouping costs for city time? For example, you know, here in Lancaster County, if our assessor was to you know, get a get a notice to divide and then take the time to make that you know separate district go through the paperwork, that's going to be in total of somewhere between three to $500 of city staff time. Should we as a city be able to recoup that from the TIF proceeds? I think if, if we were to expand it to the uh, counties with $100,000 100, people or more, so that'd be Sarpy, Lincoln, and Douglas County, I, I think you would have to add a provision around that. Uh, the goal was these smaller communities work with them um, and, and figure it out. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I'll be open to the idea of, of after how this has been implemented this year and next year to tweaking any of that language that needs to be be tweaked. But what we were trying to do was make sure, particularly these older homes and some of these smaller communities, 
that if they have a $10,000 investment that could really brighten up Main Street. Sure. So we were trying to keep those costs low, but I, I would be open to the idea of recouping those costs. Cool. And something along that same general line would be, um, as we look at the use and expenditure and, and then making that due diligence of how people use their you know, no TIF proceeds, within the application that can be found at opportunity.nebraska.gov, go down to the bottom, keyword search TIF, is the only thing that pops up. You can find the application there. But it's like a general building permit. You know, it says, what am I doing? What's my project? What's my anticipated improvement costs? That notice then goes to the county assessor, just like any other building permit. And it's only for those projects above $2,500. And really, if you want to take the time to go through this process, you're probably going to put in more than $2,500 of any kind of investment. But what I'm, where I'm going with this is that within larger cities, and actually specifically Lincoln, when we have a TIF project, we have a project construction manager that goes out and makes sure that that project is spending their, they are constructing the project in a way that was agreed upon and that you are using your TIF funds for those improvements that you wanted, that you said that you was gonna do. What's the, so whereas this bill is more of a, kind of how Omaha does it. You want TIF, we'll go through the paperwork, here's your money, we don't track anything, we can't tell the public what you spent that money on and there's no approval of invoices. Is that by design for easiness or is that uh, done for another reason? It was designed by easiness and that's why we put the cap on uh, 250,000 um, as far as we not being able to do this a little bit more than that. It's the question, your question actually interplays with another area of, of urban affairs, which is building codes and uh, making sure that you're building things up to code. And this has been a, a constant fight um, because when I first got in the office, we had a big hailstorm and there were insurance companies, not in Omaha, but across the state, it was a huge hailstorm. And insurance companies wouldn't replace people's roofs because the county or city they lived in didn't have a building code. So they didn't know how, they, their argument was, we can't replace it to code because they don't have a code. And so in 2018 and 2019, we adopted uh, a, what we call a floor of a building code, which basically says if the county or city doesn't have uh, a building code, our state code becomes the default code. But that was actually a, a pretty big fight. So, well, so, if like they were to, sense. <laughs> so if they were to build a, uh, renovate a house for 200,000 and they, they fail on all the codes, um, then yes, uh, the public may not know, but whoever that homeowner is, and if you look at the application, it also has a contractor, uh, hopefully there'll be some legal remedies to make sure they, they fix that. But that was kind of the part, the part of the, the intent was to be simple, simple. And sometimes when you do simple, you lose transparency. And so, uh, again, I, I'd be open to, to tweaking this. Uh, we were just trying to figure out sure. how to get it going and since it really hasn't been implemented yet, we'll we'll probably have some uh, correction bills over the next four years, making it better for everybody. Sure, and I think when I have about two or, I think I have two questions left. When we look at our classic TIF, you know, classic TIF is generally used for public improvements only. So you know, straight, away, straight right away acquisition, uh, facades, energy improvements above you know, the uh, standard. A lot of these expenditures of TIF are for things that aren't possibly of that nature. How do we reconcile these two ideas? 
So in 2017 and 18, we we did a TIF, a major TIF overhaul from the auditor, uh, state auditor did a report basically outlining some of the concerns you have. So on the major TIF projects, we have a lot more reporting requirements that each individual municipality is supposed to report on all their TIF projects. And within those TIF projects, there's reporting requirements that are now uh, done. Uh, but for these smaller projects, you're right, it's, it's not a lot. Uh, the problem with TIF in general, and this is kind of the, uh, the fight among state senators is, TIF was originally designed for urban core development, for those public infrastructures that the public should, should bear, uh, streets, sewers, those kind of things. Nebraska has one of the most restrictive uh, economic development um, baskets, I should say. We don't have a lot of tools for economic development. And in fact, one of the only tools is TIF. So you have people, and that's designed by our constitution. So we can't like make loans. We can't do just flat out grants. There's a lot of things that were hindered in our constitution from economic development where other states can. For example, we can't do property tax abatement, where if you want to go to Oklahoma, Iowa, Kansas, and you're a corporation, they can waive your taxes for property tax uh, for a number of years. We can't do that per our constitution. So you have this fight with current senators uh, about the original intent of TIF versus economic development. And that's always going to be tension within the body and trying to balance those two is, is very difficult. Agreed. Uh, also within some, some of the cities and you know, larger areas, when they do a redevelopment agreement, uh, they usually take those agreements and they put them as deed deed, deed amendments, deed restrictions, or, or they put liens against the property for whatever the remaining TIF might be. That's not the case with these smaller pieces, right? No. So if, no. So if a home would go into foreclosure, um, let's say that, you know, it's the, if the home goes into foreclosure and there's still a, a debt that is from that, does that still go, does that go back to the homeowner or does that get set with the city again? Uh, I think it stays all the, and I say I think, because we haven't had this happen yet. I believe the way it was written, it stays with the land, so it stays with the homeowner. Wonderful. All right. Um, yeah. You know. You know, that can change tomorrow if a, ju if a judge rules a different way. <laughs> we, haven't had, we haven't had it done yet, so it, it could change tomorrow. You know, no, I just want to say, just thank you so much for this, for this just back and forth. We're here in Lincoln. And because my, because our listeners know that I'm just a number guy, I want to crunch the numbers. If we look at just those homes that that, that meet that criteria of 60 years old and apply under $250,000, um, just looking at the tol total number of homes and not looking at historic buildings or commercial centers, we have about 4,000 properties and roughly, you know, you know, you know, a couple thousand more units on top of that. That's that if we had an area, Lynn and I discussed the south of downtown a lot. And I was listening to a recent affordable housing uh, coordinated action plan uh, you know, conversation here last week and then a couple of days ago in which some of the pro-development attorneys would say that we need to let the market do the best that it can. And so in these high rental areas, this idea of a micro tiff just seems like a really great idea. Let the market go where the market wants to go. And tools like this allow it to happen outside of a city's normal uh, you know, redevelopment plan and project plan in which they have a broader control of how that TIF fund is used. So I just think this is a wonderful idea. 
Well, I appreciate it, and hopefully uh, we can start seeing some changes, and hopefully uh, Sarpy County, Lancaster, and Douglas County can can implement the same here in the, in the future. Well, Senator Wayne, what uh, what other kinds of issues are you working on for the upcoming session? Economic development's going to be big. I'm looking for a uh, last year, or I keep saying last year, uh, <laughs> this session, last session, uh, we we passed a statewide incentive bill uh, i felt and i still feel uh that incentive bill <clears throat> did not do enough for small businesses uh especially businesses in uh what i call um, economic redevelopment areas uh which are poverty areas and so i'm going to be pushing for a small uh, state incentive bill who which will help small businesses less than 25 people less than a million dollar investment around that Two hundred to five hundred thousand dollar investment um, have some tax incentives, just like the big corporations. Because I, I truly believe those five to ten jobs that we get in North Omaha or North Platte is the is the backbone to the community. Wonderful. And then for our listeners, uh, so those are the bills that you're passionate about. What are some of the bills that are coming into the committees into the committees that you are on? Just to give us a little preview of what. What's coming down the pipeline? So we'll have more around education funding. Uh, there's a push from the governor to cap spending limits for local school districts. There'll be some more property tax bills looking at our overall tax system. Uh, I don't, it's interesting fact, uh, residential tap water has a tax on it, but when you go to the uh, grocery store and buy bottled water, you don't pay a tax. <laughs> so. Uh, there's a bill for that. I don't know if I'm doing it or Senator McKinney's going to do it, but we've both been talking about it, uh, re reducing that tax uh, or taking that tax away. So there's just a whole plethora, I think, of things. You'll see some criminal justice reform stuff. And I think with the governor announcing a new prison, you'll see some bills are trying to limit his scope to, to build a prison or at least that fight on appropriations. And this year we'll have a big budget debate because it's our biennium. So every two years we pass the state budget. That'll be this upcoming year, 2021. So that'll be a big issue too. Senator Wayne, do you think that the prison should be located near the area that you serve in that would help the economy? Um, they said between Lincoln and Omaha, uh, I'd rather have a, a big uh, regional airport between Lincoln and Omaha and we can start driving transportation companies and logistic companies to grow Nebraska. Uh, I think that might be better suited than a than a prison. Uh, my district currently has a, a community corrections facility. Uh, it's a it's a good employer here, um, but I don't necessarily think building a prison right now is the is the best thing. Well, you may be interested to know, and you probably do know, that Lincoln is looking at spending a bunch of bunch of money on uh, updating our airport here. And I asked the uh, airport board if it wouldn't be time to reconsider. A regional airport between Lincoln and Omaha, and uh, I was basically told that that horse has left the barn. It's not going to. It's not going to be considered, at least from the Lincoln perspective. It, it sounds like, at least you and and maybe some others in Omaha might like to reconsider that. No, I think the Omaha airport, which is also in my district, um, um, they they like the airport they got there, and I and I understand that. I, I'm thinking about jobs, right? We're, we're we're trying to recruit Amazon. We're trying to recruit many of these logistic logistical companies, we're right in the middle of the country. 
you can get to either either border within a day and either coast within two days driving a, a semi. I think we're primed to have a, a better regional transportation system that starts with the regional airport. But hey, I'm just one senator in Omaha. I don't I don't know I don't know anything else. <laughs> well, I doubt that. <laughs> well, I think we're reaching the end of our time here, and so <clears throat> Senator Wayne, thank you very much for coming on. We hope you come back. <clears throat> and, Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, and it sounds like there's uh, there's you know, more ideas that, that need to be explored. So we appreciate uh, all your service, and and um, again, we'll we'll be talking to you in the future. Thank you. You guys have a great day. You all as right. Well. So for our listeners, stay tuned for here in Nebraska FM. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Eller saying thanks, and we'll see you next week.